Open your Bibles to James, the third chapter. James chapter 3. Appreciate your prayers uh, this week. I'll be leaving early, early tomorrow morning for Haiti. I've been going there for, I think this is the seventh consecutive year. My son and I will be going, and uh, Charlie Robinson is going, and there are three other pastors going. And we'll be leading a pastor's conference for 250 Haitian pastors who come from all over uh, the island. And so that will, uh, we'll leave tomorrow and begin teaching on Tuesday. So thank you for praying. We, we need it and appreciate it. Now, <clears throat> we continue our series in James. Who would, what kind of pastor would lead his church through the book of James? Did you have to buy, have you had to buy new shoes yet from uh, your feet being stepped on? I think I bought three pairs since we started this, this series. In chapter two, we talked about the unchrist likeness of favoritism or prejudice. Then we talked about faith works, real faith works, real faith. Faith, if it's real, works. It shows, it's demonstrated, it's obvious. Well, today we're going to talk about warnings about the tongue. Now, James has already dealt with this subject once. But the Spirit said to James, that's not enough. You've got to deal with it again. And he does. And oh my. So here we go. Um, everybody knew this was coming. <clears throat> that's why some of the people who normally sit near you aren't here today. <laughs> oh me. I want you to think for a moment. Go back to your childhood or your youth. And I want you to think about a time when you were deeply wounded in your heart because of something that someone said. It may have been that they said it on purpose or they may have not realized what they were saying. Didn't mean to hurt you, but they did. It may have been a parent. It may have been a sibling. It may have been a friend. may have been a teacher, but... I don't think any of us have any difficulty thinking back and remembering a wound from our childhood or our teenage years. Then leap forward a bit to your adult years and think about a time as an adult that someone wounded you by their words, either on purpose or in ignorance, didn't realize what they were doing. May have been a coworker, may have been your spouse, may have been a child, may have been a parent, someone. You don't have trouble remembering, do you? You, you can remember at least once. Then think back over the span of your life, however long that may be, to a time when you wounded someone else by your words and surely there's not anyone who would say i've never done that think back to a time when you wounded someone else by your words either intentionally you meant it or you just didn't know what you were saying but you wounded them paul uh, rather james is dealing 
with this subject of the tongue from his epistle. And as is normal, James doesn't have any trouble expressing exactly what the Holy Spirit wants him to say. So as we reflect on the tongue, the mouth, our words this morning, let me ask a couple of questions. Which part of the body gets the most exercise? Now, someone may say, well, I'm an avid jogger. So my legs get lots of exercise, my lungs, my my heart. Someone else may say, well, I work out with weights, and so my arms and my back, you know, I get lots of work. Okay. But I will submit to you that the part of the body that gets the most work is the tongue. I'm not even sure that second place is close. Now, we won't count the heart. But the tongue would at least be second. Another question. Which requires the most brain cell, brain cells to move? It's the tongue. The two ounce slab of muscles, nerves, and membranes known as the tongue helps us chew, taste, swallow, talk it is its most powerful when it's helping us talk the tongue itself is neutral it articulates what's in a person's heart our spiritual heart and so let's look at what james says and stand with me to honor god's word as is our tradition verse one of chapter three Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what he, in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. You may be seated. So here's a great question of life. How can the tongue be controlled? James says, as bluntly as he can, you and I can't do it. 
So what alternative do we have? We have the alternative of asking God to control our tongues. And that's the only way we'll know success. Now, the tongue can be very positive when we pray out loud, when we tell others about Jesus, when we sing praises to God, when we affirm people around us, when we speak the truth, when wholesome talk emerges from our mouths, when we're defending the faith lovingly, when we're teaching truth, when we're expressing love, the tongue is positive. It is negative. When we curse or gossip or make fun of others or cutting, biting humor or false teaching or harsh criticism or unloving words or off-color stories or lying, that's when the tongue is negative. So the tongue has great potential for good, but it also has great potential for evil. So this morning with the title, Warnings About the Tongue, I want to leave three thoughts with you from the text. Warnings about the tongue, first of all, in regard to teaching, verses 1 and 2, in regard to teaching. The context, of course, brings to mind the teaching of Scripture, but the principles apply to all teaching of any kind in which we might be involved. Now, James is not saying that none of us should teach. What he is saying is weigh carefully the gravity of teaching and be sure that you speak God's truth because words carry weight and teachers have vast influence, perhaps more than anyone else in society. Whether it's school teaching, Sunday school teaching, a Bible study class, preaching, coaching, leadership training, whatever it may be, teachers have tremendous influence. I expect that if around this room this morning we were to ask every person to list the top five people in your life who influenced you, there would be at least one teacher in almost everyone's list And in many cases, there might be more than just one. James lets us know that teaching carries a responsibility before God to teach the truth. And that teaching carries a responsibility to encourage the learner. No put downs. No humiliation. No falsehood. Uplifting and one who models the truth of what they teach and one who makes the subject matter come to life, especially when teaching scripture. There's a judgment component to teaching. And if you teach or have taught, it probably caught your attention as you read the text. There is a judgment component to teaching which just simply reminds us that we must take it seriously and not be flippant and be certain that we are prepared walking in the spirit listening to the still small voice of God through the Holy Spirit who guides us and instructs us in what we are to say and that we must guard our walk with Jesus 
because we understand, especially perhaps as parents and grandparents, that much of our most important teaching is done in just the everyday routine of life as we have opportunities to share with our children, our grandchildren, and other other younger folks around us. There is an admission, James makes in verse 2, a reminder that we are all sinners. And so we weigh that very carefully. We are all sinners. And so when he says one who's able to control his tongue is perfect, that that word can also be translated mature. So one who is able to to keep control of what he says is giving a sign of maturity and it's proof of the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in us, moving us toward maturity in Christ in regard to the tongue. Now think about teachers in your past or in your present. Reflect upon it for a moment. Bible, Sunday school teachers, school teachers, those who have taught you or are teaching you. I remember one teacher, and I've, and I'll be, as I look back, I've, I'll tell you, almost all of the teachers that I've been blessed with, I've been blessed with. But I do remember one who was, How could I kindly say this? Who seemed to think that his responsibility in school was to belittle and ridicule and mock his students, particularly when they were wrestling with the right answers to questions. And I remember it as if it were yesterday, even though it was junior high school. I can see his face. I can hear his voice. I hear the tone of his voice. And I remember being the subject of his mockery and of his ridicule on more than one occasion. Maybe you remember someone like that. But I also remember the teachers in great number who have inspired, who have informed, and who have created within me a desire to learn whatever the subject matter may have been. And it is with great joy that I look around this room this morning and see some of you seated in this room, and I've gotten to sit in and listen to you teach the Word of God, and thank you, I love you, I appreciate you. Your influence is vast, not only to me, but to others in this room. You have done what James said. You have carefully weighed this responsibility of teaching. And you have taken it very seriously. And because of that, you are teaching the truth of the Word of God and making it exciting and interesting for those who sit under your teaching. So James is saying in giving warnings about the tongue... He is talking in regard to teaching. Now, secondly, in warnings about the tongue, James says warnings about the tongue in regard to power. In regard to power, verses 3 through 8. 
Now, James is a good illustrator. Uh, you probably already noticed that. And we'll get some more illustrations as we go along in James. But he gives us three illustrations in regard to the power of the tongue. You'll notice that the first one is in regard to a bit put into a horse's mouth. And that bit is able to control that powerful animal. Horses are strong. They're powerful animals. You have to treat them with care and respect. Be, be careful around them. And, and so James says the bit, which, by the way, the average bit is five inches long. That's, that's not very long, is it? Five inches. And that little five-inch bit placed properly across the mouth of a horse can control that most powerful animal. And so James is giving that as an illustration of what? Of the power of the tongue. And so he then gives a second illustration that everybody would have understood. He talks about a rudder on a ship. And the rudder of a ship is small, very small, in comparison to the size of the ship. And so James says, this rudder gives direction to the ship. It can save a ship from disaster, or it can wreck a ship and kill everybody on board. Such is the power of the rudder of a ship. And why does James talk about the rudder of a ship? It is to compare it to the power of the tongue. In that the tongue has the power to do good or to literally bring us to ruin. And then the third illustration that he uses is the illustration of fire. We know that uh, somebody ought to write a song about this, Gary, but, but it only takes a spark to get a fire going. <clears throat> I think somebody did that. Fire is powerful. Used properly, uh, fire can make power. Fire can warm us. Fire, fire is beautiful when it's contained in your fireplace or in your fire pit or your barbecue cooking your food. Fire can be very, very positive, but out of control, we know that fire can kill and destroy. And so James uses that as an illustration to remind us of the power of the tongue, which can be properly harnessed, a thing of great positive power, a thing of great positive influence and expression of love, or out of control, it can be used to bring great damage to someone else's life and damage to our own life. So James clearly illustrates the power of the tongue. Now, think about it. Think about the fire that can be started by a rumor. Think about the fire that can be started by a falsehood, whether intentional or from ignorance. Think about the destructive power on the tender heart of a child when spoken to inappropriately. Now, don't think I'm I'm not advocating correct discipline for our children. If 
you knew us when we were raising our two, then you, you know we believe in discipline. One of the great things about being a grandparent is that um, you get to leave the major part of that responsibility to your children. But once in a while, you have to uh, intervene and do and say things to uh, calm the waters. But think about the power of an inappropriate word on the tender heart of a child. Were you ever the recipient of that? Have you seen its power? There, there, there are several times when if I had done what I wanted to do, I would have been arrested for kidnapping. I've been places in public where I've listened in horror at parents talk to their children in personally demeaning ways about how ugly they are, how stupid they are, and, and all the awful things that they say. And, and I've wanted to go and knock them out and then take their child. That, that's ridiculous. I can't do that. But you probably felt the same way. It simply is a reminder of the power of the tongue. Now, who do you, who do you enjoy being with? The person who is the encourager with his or her mouth or the person who's the master of the put down and the criticism and the harsh word. Isn't the truth of the matter sometimes we'll walk across the street to avoid the latter? I read a little ditty the other day. It's it's old. You can tell it's old. People don't write like this anymore, but. But the truth of it is as valid now as when it was written. A gossipy tongue is a dangerous thing if its owner is evil at heart. He can give whom he chooses many a sting that will woefully linger and smart. But the gossipy tongue would be balked in its plan for causing heartburning and tears if it weren't helped out by the misguided man who possesses two gossipy ears. When we listen, we are contributing to the problem. The tongue can soothe the dying, can calm an animal, can start a war, can destroy a reputation, can lead to sin, can drive someone from Christ, can encourage your kids can destroy a marriage, can build up a child or berate a child, can build up a church or destroy the church's unity, can praise God or curse God, can stir up things all the time or exert a calming influence. And so as we examine our hearts today, James would want us to say, which is it for me? Now, warnings about the tongue brings us to the last point, and that is warnings about the tongue in regard to its practice, verses 9 through 12. We can praise God, and we can curse people made in the image of God with the same tongue, the same mouth. And James frankly says, these things ought not to be. I heard about... little boy, I'll, I'll, uh, for protection of the innocent, I'll call him Billy. 
And uh, Billy was just learning to drive and unfortunately had a very small accident and got a dent in his daddy's car. And his daddy was furious and really unleashed a barrage on his boy, Billy. After the dad was done, Billy's mom came to him and, and said, I couldn't hear what dad was saying, but I could tell he was mad. What did he say? And Billy said, well, do you want me to leave out the swear words? And his mom said, please. And then Billy said, well, he didn't say anything. (laughs) James says these things ought not be. And he illustrates again, fresh water, salt water, salt water, Spring doesn't produce fresh water or vice versa. A fig tree doesn't bear olives and a grapevine doesn't bear figs. God's serious about this. And I hope we understand that. In Romans chapter 1, Paul talks about those who are lost and separated, rebellion against God. And he says they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. And notice he goes from envy, murder, strife, to deceit and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, insolent, arrogant, boastful. Okay, I get it. God takes this seriously. Some who pray and preach... With the tongue, also destroy with the tongue. James says this ought not to be. So we have the opportunity to bless and praise God. To speak the truth in love. To share Christ. To encourage the discouraged. To speak gratitude. And thanksgiving. I read about a a theologian from the Boston School of Theology who had written, who had been contemplating people who had blessed him. And he thought about one of his school teachers who had taught him a love for poetry. And he had not seen her, heard from her in, in years. And so he decided to write her a letter of thanks, and he wrote her a letter thanking her for instilling a love for poetry in his heart. She wrote him back, and she said, Dear dear, dear Willie, let, let me read the way she put it. My dear Willie, I cannot tell you how much your note meant to me. I'm in my 80s. I live alone. I cook my own meals. I'm lonely, and I live like the last leaf of autumn lingering behind You'll be interested to know that I taught school for 50 years. And yours is the first note of appreciation I ever received. It came on a blue cold morning and it cheered me as nothing has in many, many years. And the professor goes on to to say, why haven't I done this before and why have not I made it a regular habit? We have the opportunity with the tongue to lift the spirit of the confused, to comfort the sorrowing, 
to rejoice with the glad, to heal wounded hearts, to be a channel of blessing, to tell others the story of Jesus. To do that, we know we must leave our cursing, our mocking, our belittling, our critical, gossipy tongues somewhere else. Because James says the two just can't go together. So today we ask Jesus Christ to take control of what I would submit to you is really the most powerful part of our body. Ask him to help us to take control that our use of our tongue will be to the glory, honor, and praise of our Lord and Savior. So, Father, um, whatever it is that you want to say to us about all of this this morning, I pray that now, in the quietness of this moment, you are speaking very clearly, and that we will listen and that we will obey. And I pray that if there's one person in this room who doesn't know Jesus, that they will come now trusting Jesus as Savior and Lord. Thank you for the way people have blessed us with their words. I pray now that we would bless others with our words. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.